the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids up through the ninth grade please come forward? Bowden, come over here. There we go. Hey, Bowden, you're from Utah. Watch this. Watch. You ready? Oh, oh, oh. Can they do that in Utah? No? <laughs> Good morning, everyone. How are you all? You ever been to a football game? I mean, like a big football game, a professional football game in a stadium. Anybody? You have? Oh, the side fair? You ever been to a football game like, like the Texans or the Cowboys or anybody? Anybody? You've been to a Dallas Cowboy game? You know, I used to be a big fan of the Dallas Cowboys back in the Landry days. Um, Tom, he, when he was a coach, but they just haven't done so good. Let me tell you a quick story. Um, they were coming out on the field last season, and there was this white substance on the on the on the, on the ground and. And they, and they asked people to check it out because a white substance can sometimes be dangerous. And they checked it out, and, they, and, and the experts found out that, well, it was really just chalk on the goal line, goal line but the Cowboys hadn't seen that in such a long time. <laughs> and they probably wouldn't see it again for a while, so go ahead and play the game. That's, that was a fun, fun thing for them that day. But if you've been to a stadium, if you've been to a big stadium, there are people, thousands of people all around and in the middle are whom? Who's in the middle? The players, the football players. Well, I want you to think about this. As Christians, we're on that field and we're heading down the, the, the hundred yards to, uh, in life and we've got a goal post that we're going to get to. And so we start over here on the first line and go five yards and 10 yards and 15 yards and 20 yards all through our life. And we're making our way through that, that field, that football field, and we're heading toward the goal. And all these witnesses who were Christians 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 100 years ago, they're all in heaven. And they're all leaning over it and they're saying, go, 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 Judith, go, go, Lauren, go, go, go. All through your life, they're rooting you on. They've been through what we've been through. And, they're, and they see you marching down the goal line to the goal, to the football, uh, the, the field, to the goalpost, right? They see you all through life. They're watching you, cheering you on. Because, because we're all Christians together. We're all brothers and sisters. And they want to see us get to, to heaven where they are. Isn't that a great, uh, isn't that a great thing to, to see how we, the way we live life? I mean, we don't really go down a football field, do we? But we go through life every step of the way, every day, one day after another, until one day we die and we go to heaven and we're surrounded with all our family and friends and all those around us who have been cheering us on all this time and so our responsibility is to is to walk the line to catch the ball to to run toward the goal instead of going off into the sidelines drinking kool-aid or something right 
Our God, God, is, God is helping us with this too, by the way. It's not something that God's not involved in. God is helping us. And all these thousands and thousands of witnesses are leaning over the clouds in heaven and saying, come on, you can do it. It's tr that's true. I want you to understand that. That's really happening. All the saints and angels in heaven are rooting us on the church. And we are the church. Not just us. The church is all over the world. Christians all over the world. So think about that, okay? You're not by yourself. You've got people all around you rooting you on. Your parents especially, but even in heaven. All right? Think about that. And then we can listen to Deacon Jennifer. She does an excellent job on this Hebrews lesson. So if you would like to get a packet from Mr. Music over there and you can color while you're listening, go get one and then go back to your seat with your parents, okay? All right. Thank you, bud. Need help? morning. Before I begin to, on today's passages, <clears throat> I'd like to do a short recap on Father Stan's sermon last week when he did it on the Hebrews passage. And then I want to look at the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. Father Stan said that the author wrote the letter as a concerted plea to those who were drifting away from their faith for whatever reason or reasons. A plea for them to remember the composition of faith and to remember those who went before them holding on tightly to their faith. He reminded us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, as was written in chapter 11, verse one. The author of Hebrews prayed that the people would hold on to and practice the faith, just as many others before them had done, with a strength of conviction that this faith would be enough to see them through whatever hard times or sufferings or persecutions the world could throw at them. This faith would secure something that the world could not see but could somehow sense and be threatened by, even though that faith could not harm the world. Father Stan preached about drifting. Drifting is a word that calms and soothes. You can imagine being on the ocean, drifting with the tide on a small inflatable raft, letting everything go and just rolling in and out with the tide. Such a calm, serene picture. Until you look up and realize that you've drifted far from the shore and are slowly headed out to sea. Folks, that's drifting. It's not something that you deliberately do. It's not something that you plan and act upon. It's something that you just let go. It's just letting go bit by bit. 
Oh, you say? I'm definitely not drifting. I have mortgage payments. I have college tuitions. I have gas bills out the wazoo. I'm very aware of my surroundings. I'm up to my neck in debt, and I'm struggling to make ends meet. This is not drifting, and it's not a leisurely scene. This is the middle of a nightmare, and the nightmare is my life. But look where your focus is. What are you worrying about most right now? What are you doing to stop the worry? Who are you turning to in the middle of your nightmare? And what is your goal in life? If none of the answers to those last three questions starts with a cry to Jesus, then my friend, you're drifting. And Hebrews is a book you need to read carefully, and maybe more than once. Our reading in Hebrews today takes us further into the story of the heroes of faith. Verses 29 to 31 each start out, by faith. By faith, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. By faith, Rahab, a prostitute and a heathen, saved herself and her family. All of these were actively working in the realm of God. He was there when the Israelites fled across the dry riverbed. He was there as Joshua's men marched around and around and around the city. He was there when Rahab saved the spies and then begged free passage from the city in return. God was there in the midst of it all. But God was also there when the martyrs were sawn in two or when they were beheaded or when they were burned alive. He was there when each one of them proclaimed they would not, they could not deny their relationship with him. They could do this only because their faith was actively alive in them. They believed there was more to life than what we can see with our eyes. They believed that God's promise of eternal and glorious life was real. They believed that God was not going to let them die in vain, but would bring them into his glory and into that peace which passes understanding. They believed this. And we too can share in their rewards and their prizes they received through their faith. But faith has to be activated. It has to be nurtured. It has to be practiced. It has to be visible to the world. Faith is not a piece of clothing worn on Sundays. It's not a nice dress or a suit that we keep in the closet for that special occasion. Faith is ready to get next to the dirty and gritty world. It's ready to be worn in the daily grind, to be worn, not displayed, but worn 
until it becomes solid and as real as our favorite sweatshirt or as a breastplate of armor. And the author of Hebrews knows this. He brings to mind all the saints of old, but he also gives us the measure of a Christian life so that we can join those saints of old. He tells of the sacrifices and the wonders of faith so we may be encouraged to not just hang in there, but to be bold and fearless with our faith. He tells us our faith is not dependent upon our deliverance from mortgages, threats of illness, hard times, loss of jobs, whatever we're struggling with in our lives. No. It is an assurance from God that this is not what we have to look forward to, not by a long shot. And in the two sentences from chapter 12 in our reading today, he tells us what we are to do. Because, he says, because we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, men and women who witnessed in their day and witness to us in our day, because of these people, we can do this. We can be what we have been created for. We can see a brighter day. We can live and move and be in Christ. How? By laying aside every weight that holds us down. What are these weights? The petty troubles that we run into? No. These weights are the things that keep us from pushing through and following Jesus with every fiber of our being. Things like public opinion, like prosperity wishing, like an obsession with food or alcohol or you name it, with wealth, with health, with good friends, with bad friends, whatever holds us back, whether it is good or bad, whatever holds us back from loving God with everything we've got. Now one man's weight may not be another man's weight, so we have to look at our own lives and decide what is keeping us from pushing forward in our faith. And most of all, most of all, we do this by laying aside the sin that creeps in above all others. The sin of apostasy. The sin of not believing in the promises of God. Because if we truly believed and grasped those promises, nothing could deter us from running that race and obtaining that prize, which is Jesus Christ himself. Nothing. But the author knows, as we all do, that we are mere humans trying to live in a world that throws everything it's got against us. So what is his advice? Run the race anyway. Run the race anyway to the best of your ability. Because, and I'm quoting J. Vernon McGee here, 
One of the greatest dangers in the Christian life is the peril of just remaining stationary, of doing nothing. McGee tells the story of a woman who got up at one of those camp meetings, he says, they used to have in West Texas. She got up and she told everyone, the Lord filled my cup 20 years ago and nothing has run in and nothing has run out. Nothing has run in, nothing has run out. What a sad indictment of a wasted journey. It's like the young girl who fell out of bed one night. When her mother rushed into her and asked her what happened, she said, I think I stayed too close to the place where I got in. <laughs> and we see this a lot in our own lives. We stayed too close to the spot where we got in, and we forgot this was a race. We needed to get moving, and we needed to keep moving. I love this thing I've seen on Facebook, I don't know how many times. The writer is the author, Hunter Thompson, and he says, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside on a cloud of smoke, thoroughly washed up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. People, can you imagine if we applied that to our Christian life? If we used ourselves up for God and others and gave no thought to preserving our dignity but protected that of others? If we threw off our cast iron facade and we boldly proclaimed Christ to everyone we met? If we chose to love when it wasn't easy? We chose to give when we didn't think we had enough? we chose to serve when we didn't think we could stomach it for one more minute, if we chose to cast others in a greater role than ourselves in our own story, wow, what a ride. The life of faith is an arduous struggle. There is no shortcut. There is no easy path. It involves being fixed on the end game. It involves being public in our devotion to Christ. It involves giving up things and taking on things. And it involves active pursuit of that goal. But oh, the rewards that wait you. Look on those things that are valuable to you today. Are they still going to be valuable in 20 years? In 40? In 80, look on the treasures that last forever and hold on to those. The author of Hebrews, indeed all of those witnesses, those heroes of faith, they all encourage us to hold on and grow in that faith because they know that your life or death depends on whether you run this race. They know that Christ will give you the strength to run it well if you ask him. 
they know that Jesus himself is the crowning prize at the end. Jesus himself. What greater prize? Read the times. That's what Jesus tells us in that gospel today. It's almost as easy as reading the weather these days. Just say no rain and keep going. And the forecast says that you will never be able to please the world and Jesus at the same time. You will never be able to please the world and Jesus at the same time. So choose. And choose wisely. And then move forward, surrounded by a cheering crowd of witnesses and led by the greatest leader the world will ever know. Let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus, and fill us with your strength to run this race for you. Give us perseverance to sustain the journey, a hope that is unquenchable, and the faith to believe that you are our all in all. Amen.